All right. Happy Easter, everybody. It is good to be here with you. It is so great to be able to worship our God together on this incredible day. My name is Eric. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church. And today is all about good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. That we have good news to celebrate that fills our hearts with joy. And that is the resurrection of Jesus. And so that's why we do the He is risen, He is risen indeed response. So He is risen. (laughs) That's right. We celebrate that today. Now, I don't know about how you guys feel, but it has felt like we have been living in a bad news world. Uh, we've been living in a world where we're just constantly bombarded by bad news. It feels like you're kind of making your way out of something and then it's like something else comes. And it can just start to weigh us down or wear us down when we have this bad news coming over and over again. And we feel for the people that are more deeply impacted than obviously some of us are just by hearing about bad news. But even just the hearing of it is kind of it kind of comes, comes at you and wears you down. And I feel like we need good news. And so that's what we are here to give today. Good news of great joy as found in the resurrection of Jesus. If you remember during the sort of the, the most locked down part of the whole pandemic when you even uh, had John Krasinski, the guy from The Office, had this show called Just Good News. And then I feel like it was out of that that uh, sort of these social media accounts or Instagram accounts, stuff would pop up that were all about good news, good news movement, all these different kind of things. And I'm just telling you, I'm a total sucker for those. Like, I love it. It helps me. It helps me feel a little better. I can cope through the day. But I wanted to uh, share a couple of those with you because I think, like, that's what, sometimes we just feel like that's what we need, right? Like this, after 549 days in nine hospitals battling COVID, this man is released from the hospital and will meet his grandson for the first time. It's like, yes, we sell yeah. Look at you clapping and everything. Yeah, you're all, it's like, we're happy. Uh, or I love this guy, a 101-year-old receives long-awaited high school diploma. That's epic. I love that. <laughs> uh, and then... Good people doing good things. Parents in Poland leave strollers behind at train station for Ukrainian moms who might need them. That restores our hope in humanity a little bit, right? To see people doing good things in a hard place. Or this guy, um, it says, Russian Nobel Peace Prize winner to auction his medal to benefit Ukrainian refugees. And it's like these kind of acts give us a little bit of hope. And so I love those. And we need good news. We need something positive in this crazy world. And so that's what we are here for today. And what we have is good news of great joy in those three words. He is risen. He is risen. Uh, I'm going to need you guys to do the clicking. Uh, So he is risen. He is risen indeed. And it's also in three words. Jesus is alive. That's what we have. Good news just in these three simple words. If he is risen or Jesus is alive. And so we're going to get into this story of Matthew 28, 1 through 20. And it's this beautiful, beautiful story of the resurrection. You can turn there in your Bibles. If you have one, there's Bibles on the back of the seat in front of you. Or you can turn to page two of your little newspaper if you'd like. 
Or you could probably Google Matthew 28 and it'll just pop up in some form. Uh, but, um, so as you prepare, I want to set the scene for us a little bit here. You have two women that are approaching the tomb. Yeah, you haven't heard the rustle of newspapers in a long time, have you? <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great sound. I miss the actual newspaper. Um, anyway, um, so these two women are approaching the tomb. And I want you to think about where they were coming from. They've been following Jesus for these last few years. This Jesus is the one whose teachings they've decided to dedicate their entire lives to. Everything he's saying is, is affecting in every way how they live. And then they see him working in power and miracles. I mean, they've seen him walk on water. They've seen him feed thousands of people with just a, a, couple, a couple pieces of fish and bread. They've seen him heal people. They've actually even seen people come back to life again. So I think they're starting to believe that, yeah, this is the one we've been waiting for. This is the one we can place our hope in, our trust in. And then he dies. He's executed by the Romans. Imagine the defeat that you'd feel in the midst of that. That sense of unfulfilled hopes, unfulfilled expectations, shattered dreams in the midst of that. So even close your eyes for a moment and try and picture yourself walking up to a garden. Actually a vegetable garden filled with crops that people are raising in this area as they approach this place. The smells of a garden. And that sense of dejection, that, that fear, that tension, that loss of hope in that moment. The grief. And then everything changes. Let's look at Matthew 28. We'll read 1 through 20. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. And it's, he says what angels always have to say to people, which is this. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them. And greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go, tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. 
As the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the good news. That's the story of the resurrection. And it's good news of great joy that this happened. Now, that phrase, good news of great joy, is actually not in this passage. It mentions great joy, and it is good news. But good news of great joy is actually from Luke 2. Luke 2 is the Christmas story where you have the angels appear to the shepherds and say, we bring you good news of great joy for all people. And then the shepherds go and see Jesus is born. And so you have that good news of great joy there at the very beginning. And then you have this story with great joy in it. And I think there's some sort of interesting parallels throughout it. The angels tell the shepherds to don't be afraid. And that's told here as well. Both Luke 2 and Matthew 28 uh, express this great joy that we have in Jesus Uh, The shepherds go and tell everyone about it. So after they go see the baby Jesus, they go tell everyone. That's the same thing as the women go and tell the disciples. The disciples go and tell everybody about this. And then it also says that the shepherds will recognize the baby by this sign. It says that you will see him wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then in this real similar way, the angel says to the women that come and see where his body was lying. You can come and see, recognize this. You'll see this. There's a a come and see element to it. And so what's so amazing is that Luke 2, we have good news because Jesus is here. He's born. And then in Matthew 28, it's good news, the angel says, because he's not here. The tomb is empty. And that's the whole beginning and end of the gospel, the good news message. Jesus has come, and now guess what? He's not here anymore. He's not in this tomb. He is alive. He is risen. And then he appears to the women. Yeah. Love that. So I want us to focus in then in on this story in Matthew 28 on a few different phrases. And the first is this phrase, just as he said. Just as he said. The angel says he's risen from the dead just as he said. That's what he said was going to happen. And guess what? It happened. The word of Jesus is reliable. The word of Jesus is trustworthy. We can trust in what he says. There's this moment where they say, the angel says, come, 
see where his body was lying. That there's this kind of assurance for them in the midst of that part as well. But this whole thing of, of uh, just as he said, it's like there's this sense that we can trust in what he has done. We can trust in what he says. But now he doesn't just say this. He's said obviously a whole bunch of things, right? But one of the things that he said is, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus doesn't say if you have trouble. Jesus says, look, you're going to have trouble in this world. Like just because Jesus has come doesn't mean he takes everything away and makes every like moment of everyday life easy. No, in this world you will have trouble. But what Jesus says after that is, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And it's through this act of the resurrection, him defeating death, that he overcomes the world. He overcomes everything. And so we can trust in him and we know that he is reliable in that. And we know that through these sort of come and see moments, like where he says come and see where his body was lying, that God's going God's gonna to help you. God's going to try and assure you and give you some assurance of what he has done. Because some of this stuff just feels a little too big to believe, right? Like the resurrection, somebody coming back to life again, that's, that's pretty big. And for some of us, that's pretty hard to believe. And you might have even other things in your life that just feel a little too big to believe. Whether that's a loved one in need of healing. Whether that's someone that you care about is going through a really, really hard time in some way. Whether that's even your own relationships, struggles, betrayals, all of that. And you hope for reconciliation in that. These things can be too big almost for us to believe that God can do anything about. We need some sort of inner healing from hurt in our life. And God wants to assure you. God wants to meet you in the midst of that. Because we, we have trouble in this world. And we can trust in God for the resurrection. The resurrection happened just as he said. And so we can also trust in him for what it says in verse 20 of this passage. Where he says, I am with you always. I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. So if we can trust him that he's reliable in the resurrection. We can trust him that in the midst of the things we're going through. That he is with us. Jesus is present with us. I want you to hear that he's present with you in those moments. Even if and when those moments aren't taken away, he is with you in the midst of it. And what I love too is that Jesus then, he doesn't just give them an empty tomb. You know, he, the empty tomb was kind of good for them, but he's like, no, no, I got something more for you. And he appears to them bodily. He appears to these women right there in the flesh. And what's What's crazy is if you get down to verse 17, and it says this, when they saw him, the disciples, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Like, I get, we all have doubts, right? These disciples, they saw him. He's appearing to them right before them, and they still doubted. Guess what? If you have doubts, 
That's understandable. That's okay. We all have doubts. We all have these moments of struggle or doubt of, is, is all of this real? Like the disciples even had that while he was right there in front of them. And so I want to just talk to some of you that are struggling with doubt. Because I'm sure there's some of you that, that doubt, maybe you've been a believer for a long time, but now doubt is creeping in. Maybe you've never believed in any of this and you're just like, you're, you're skeptical of all of this and you doubt that it could ever be true. That doubt is okay. Doubt is understandable. We, we want you to know that it's okay to doubt. But I want to encourage you when it comes to your doubt, it's okay to doubt, but it's not okay to give up. It's not okay to give in. I want you to dig in. If you doubt, I want you to dig into those doubts and dig into the truth of what Jesus says about himself. To talk to people that you know and trust. To pray and ask God. I mean, even if you don't believe, just like, God, reveal yourself to me. I ask you to. Ask the Holy Spirit of God to meet you in the midst of your doubt. And I believe that he will. You know, there's been, there's sort of like a, a lot of talk right now in the world, and maybe you've heard this and maybe not, but of kind of a word, uh, a sort of a buzzword of sorts of deconstruction. That there's a lot of people deconstructing their faith. And maybe even I think what's happening more specifically is people deconstructing an American version of evangelical Christianity. Okay? Now, what I want to say, if you're like feeling some of that or you're experiencing some of that yourself, Kind of in the same way as we were talking about doubt, I want to tell you that that's okay. That that's understandable that you would have those doubts. Okay, it's even understandable if you'd want to deconstruct some aspects of how kind of Christianity has probably morphed over the centuries into, and even here in America, since we're here in America, of just how it's kind of taken on some different elements. And what I want to tell you is like, okay, deconstruct that. That's fine. As long as then what you do is build it back up on the Word of God, on the Bible, on just Jesus, just God Himself, and begin to bring and build that up. But that involves the church, that involves people. And all of us are messy, broken, hurt people. And so it does get kind of messed up along the way in some ways. And so if you doubt or if you're deconstructing, you can't just stay deconstructed or else you're just a pile of rubble. Okay? You need to build that back up upon God's word and what he says. Because our, our beliefs and what we believe about Jesus should be based upon the word of God, not upon traditions that have built up over time. And so we believe what God says in his word. So I encourage you in that. Dig in. And we even have something coming up, uh, even starting this week, called the Alpha Course. The Alpha Course is a really cool thing because the Alpha Course is all about exploring things like what is the meaning of life, faith, meaning in this world. Like what is this, what is this all about? Who is Jesus? Like, what's the deal? Like, why is he God? Like, how's that work? Why do you have to die? Just like where you can really explore some of these hard questions. And the best part about it is it's a really safe place to express doubt 
to express even critique, to ask questions that maybe you felt like were, were dumb questions or something. There's, not, there's none of that. There's no dumb questions. It's all good. And we process that. We, we ex- like accept that and work through all of those doubts together in a, in a really safe environment. And so I encourage you to be part of the Alpha Course. If that's you or if there's people in your life that you know that it w- this would be a good process to go through, we encourage you to engage in that. So that's... That's where we can trust in Jesus because he is reliable. Just as he said would happen, he rose from the dead. The next phrase is is this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And that is um, this incredible word that the angels are always saying to people of don't be afraid. But God has come to to meet us in the midst of our fears. Even if you look at the passage, whether that's in your newspaper or in your Bible, whatever, and you see in verse 5, the angel says, don't be afraid. Okay? Then, but what you see then, if you go a few verses down into verse 8, is it says they were still very frightened. They were very frightened. So they've been told by the angel, don't be afraid. They see the empty tomb, but they were still very frightened. They also had great joy, but they were very frightened. And then if you look down to verse 10, that's then where Jesus says, don't be afraid. And if you look a little bit farther, you can find where it says they were afraid again, right? Like, just keep, oh, wait, no, no, it doesn't. (laughs) Uh, Just uh, cheesy as that is, but just, no, it doesn't say it again. Once they see Jesus, the risen Savior, Jesus, and he speaks that to them, don't be afraid to these women. These women are emboldened. These women are empowered by what Jesus said and by his presence with them. They can actually not be afraid because he's there. The empty tomb was nice to see. What was way better to see was Jesus himself alive. And they get to see him. They touch him. They grab on to his feet. Jesus is alive. And then all fear is gone. All fear is removed. That our risen Savior removes all of our existential fears. These fears of like, what's the point of all of this? Why do I even exist in this world? What happens when I die? Why is all of this stuff happening to me? That's gone in Jesus. I want you to hear from uh, a wonderful woman as part of our church named Marissa and her story. Check this out. Hi, my name is Marissa De La Vega, and I have been a member here at Calvary for about three and a half years. Um, Our family is growing by one. Uh, We're having a daughter. She's due in July, and we're really excited and looking forward to her being with us. Growing up, I knew God. There was a God. (laughs) I didn't know much about him. I knew that I was baptized as a baby, but I never really attended church. I I never had a relationship, never really learned about him much. So I knew that there was a God, but I just didn't know anything about him. I would try to do good and try to make good choices and sometimes I would just fail miserably at that. (laughs) It came to a time when I started working at Disneyland and I met a coworker. She was going to a Christian church and uh, she was kind of explaining that to me and I was just like always intrigued and always just asking her more questions, you know, about her faith and she prayed with me and invited me to her church quite a few times. And it took me a little while to accept the invitation. Um, But I went and I started to get to know 
a little bit more about Jesus, who he is, really. Ultimately, that's what it is. And coming to Calvary, my boyfriend at the time, my husband now, Arfa, invited me because he had been attending here for quite some time. And so I started to get connected with Pastor Victor and the Hispanic ministry. He got me connected here with my mentor, Carolyn, and she really walked with me as a woman, as like becoming a wife, like just in general, like walking with Jesus, a daughter of God, being able to see myself in his eyes. I think that that was a time of significant growth for me um, because I just had so many questions because throughout my life, I had experienced just so many hard times. Um, and sometimes I would question like, you know, I hear of this God, but where is he in these times? And she really helped me grow in learning and understanding that he's with me. And all of those times he was with me in every single season. And being able to look in hindsight and just being able to accept that and, and just seeing him work and just seeing where you know, what following him has been able to do in our lives has been seriously like the greatest gift ever. There was a lot of generational sin that was taken into effect um, in my family. Uh, unfortunately, we did experience some homelessness. Um, we did experience instability, just trying to find meaning or finding, trying to find purpose of my life in things of the way of the world. It was just broken relationships um, based on just what I thought was right. And it would just lead to very lonely places. More recently, uh, probably within like a four or five year span in my family, we lost my grandma, my uncle. Um, we almost lost my dad. Uh, just a lot of just times of just like health concerns, uncertainties, and it was just like, there were days where I would just cry, like, and I just couldn't process it, and I'm just like, God, like, and I would ask God to help me, and there were days where God was the only one that understood me. Looking back, I can see how God is, He was strengthening my faith in Him, and in those losses of relationships, of family members, um, you know, there can be glory. You can see his glory in some of those times, even though it's just almost unbearable in our physical flesh. You know, his, his plan is, is greater than anyone I can have. Yeah, so grateful to Marissa for sharing her story because Jesus does meet us in those biggest fears. Those anxieties that we have about what will happen in this world. What will happen in the future? What happens when I die? What's my purpose in life? What's going on with my loved ones experiencing hurt or pain? All of that. All of those things are met in Jesus. And they're ultimately defeated by the power of the resurrection. And Jesus meets and is with us in that. I am with you always. Always. The happiest times to the worst of times. I am with you. 
I am there for you, Jesus says. Don't be afraid. And then we move on to that next movement, that next part where it says, go, and we have this sense of go and share our joy. Jesus himself says to the women, go tell the disciples. And then he tells the disciples, go tell everybody, make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it was just like with the shepherds back in Luke 2 that went and proclaimed it to everyone because they just couldn't help it. And that's the deal. Like this good news of great joy, this is good news for you. This is good news for you specifically and individually. Each one of you, this is good news for you. But it's also good news for everybody. It's good news for the people you love. It's good news for the people you care about. And it is good news of great joy. And so the reason even that we'd ever even think about going and sharing that good news of great joy with other people is just because we've experienced it and we want others to experience it. I think like the shepherds or even like these two women that just go running to go tell people, it's when we've experienced that joy ourselves that we then go and want to go and tell other people. And even if you've been someone that people in your life and maybe even got dragged here and people in your life are trying to tell you about Jesus, it's not because there's no like chart they're trying to fill out, you know, with certain names that they got to complete or something. There's nothing like that. It's just because they've experienced that joy and want you to have that same joy, that same love and grace that we find in Jesus Christ. And so I want you to even all of us to think about where's your joy? Where's your joy right now? Do you need to rediscover your joy? Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you're kind of starting to become a little bit of a grumpy Christian, you know? We don't need more grumpy Christians. We've got plenty of those. We see them on Facebook. Okay, so we don't want those. We want people that are filled with joy. And that's because that's who we should be. So maybe you need to rediscover your joy and remember what it was like to first believe and follow Jesus. And maybe you need to find joy for the first time. Or maybe you need Jesus to find it for you. And remind you of it. To tell you of it. We need the Holy Spirit to show us our joy again. And so actually even we want to keep inviting you back here to Calvary. As we'll be talking about joy for the next bunch of weeks. Into a series all on God joy. On a joy that God gives us that strengthens us beyond anything that we are able to do. Because the resurrection changes everything in how we experience joy. So I ask you this question then. What does this good news mean for you? How will you respond when you consider this message that Jesus died and rose again in power and he is calling to you? How will you respond? And so I'd ask you even just to reflect for a moment. Reflect on your own doubts. Reflect on your own struggles. And ask God to meet you there. My favorite prayer in the Bible is the man that says, I believe, help my unbelief. And that might need to be your prayer to God today. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe in you, but this is still pretty big. <laughs> this is still pretty big to believe. 
build my faith. And the power of the resurrection meets you in that struggle. The God who is willing to die and who's also strong enough to come back to life meets you in that moment. What does this mean for you? Romans 10.9 says this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I believe that God himself is calling out to you today and saying, this is the time. You've been waiting. You've been considering. Today is the day for you to receive that beautiful free gift of salvation that Jesus offers. And if you confess with your mouth, you say, yes, Jesus, you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you rose from the dead. He says, you will be saved. You enter into a relationship with God today. In a moment, I'll give you an opportunity just to be able to to talk to God, to pray about that. But you also have an opportunity, all of you today, and in a a little bit we're going to celebrate with water baptism. You can see the baptismal up here on the stage. We're going to celebrate with water baptisms. We have some people already who are going to be baptized today. But what I would want to tell you is if you would like to pray to receive Christ, or if you would like to be baptized today, even if you just showed up here and you want to be baptized today, you can. You'll head over to that prayer point over there in just a moment. And if you want to get up during this time, we've got stuff for you, clothes and all that good stuff, okay? So you don't have to worry about your your Easter Sunday best. (laughs) But we'd love for you to be baptized today if you feel like God is calling you to that. So let me pray and as we will continue to respond in worship. Dear Lord, thank you for this incredible, amazing message of your life, death, and resurrection. Thank you that you are trustworthy and reliable and that you came back to life again just as you said would happen. So Lord, I pray for each person here in this room as they respond to this message today. And if you are one that would right now even want to pray, just pray something along the lines like this to God. It's just to talk to God, to share your heart with him. Dear God, I know I've sinned. I know I've gone against your ways and I've doubted. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you are Lord and God. And I believe that you died and rose again. Help me with my unbelief. Help me through your spirit to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we sing in worship. And if you'd like to be baptized or you'd like to pray with someone, head on over to that side of the room over there.